You have, you have failed. Ba 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 da ba da. You have, ah, you have failed. Ba 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 da ba da ba. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of You Have Failed with me, Sam Vader. And uh, to start off, I would once again, well, we once again would like to uh, reaffirm that we here at Sigil Arts stand firmly with the uh, Black Lives Matter movement. We think it's important at the moment to re-emphasise constantly that we do stand with them. We are constantly trying to educate ourselves on systematic racism and how to get rid of it. And we stand with all of the people whose lives have been lost and all of the protesters. And uh, yeah, we 100% back the movement and we need to put an end to racism. That is something that is a definite, shouldn't have been there in the first place. Let's get rid of it now and have a brighter future and a brighter tomorrow but that's uh that's that out the way now we can get into the actual episode itself where if you haven't worked out from the intro you either don't know the show and the theme song or you just didn't recognize it and that's okay too we are talking about the office this week but not the uk version the us version because yes i i always normally go for the uk being better as a as a uk citizen myself just just on a rule like with my six debate uh a few weeks ago but no this week I've, I've got to give it to the us i'm not going to be doing a comparison i'm just going to be talking about the, the us office in itself and uh why why i really enjoyed it because i'm going to be honest i hadn't watched the us office until really recently and i'm also going to apologize again my hay fever is still really playing up so you'll probably hear some tissue uh moving in the background um, but yeah, so I hadn't watched the US office till recently. I'd, I'd watched the UK one. I enjoyed it. I thought it was funny. I'm a big fan of Ricky Gervais. I think he's a very funny man. So I enjoyed it. Never really watched the US office until till lockdown. I was going through Amazon Prime and I saw season one to nine was on Amazon Prime for free. And I thought, oh, why not? Why not sit down and watch it? And as I sat down to watch it, I did genuinely think like, you know, I'll probably enjoy it. It'll be funny. I've heard good things. I don't see myself loving it or particularly I didn't see myself getting attached to the characters. This is a sort of a pre-watching analysis that was going through my head. It wasn't, I hadn't watched it yet, so I hadn't had anything to base anything off. I just thought from what I've heard, it seems more like a, a comedy show where you don't really get attached to the characters. It is more just, just simple comedy. And uh, I don't think there are many times I've been happier to be wrong. For the US office, I... I by the end, last ep- there were two episodes where I blatantly cried. Uh, the one where they, well, three, I suppose. The two where they say goodbye to Michael Scott. There's the the one where they sing to him at, at Michael's last Dundies. And then his final, final episode as the main character, I suppose. I cried then when he has his little conversation with Jim. And then the final episode, because frankly, I got so attached to these characters in the space of, what, a week? I think I binge watched all nine seasons in a week, just over a week. I got so attached that it really brought me to tears seeing the end of it to the point where now where I see loads of conversations of a lot of the cast saying we wouldn't do a reboot, but we do a reunion special sort of feature long special where we all came back. I'm, I'm sitting there like, yes, I want that. Bring the office back. Just give us that one more special and bring them all back. Like, I haven't even liked it for that long. I'm one of the newer fans, but I need that office reunion, right? Like, and the thing is, this one's more plausible because the cast are up for it. The difference with a Friends reunion is the Friends cast aren't sure they're up for it. Whereas the Office cast, you've got John Krasinski, like, yeah. You've got Rain Wilson, like, yeah. You've got Angela Martin, like, yeah. Or Angela Kingsley, Angela Martin's the uh, the character in the show. This is where it gets confusing. Some of them have their real names. 
Uh, you've got um, Jenna Fisher. Like, yeah. Even I think I heard a thing like Steve Carell would be up for it. And like, bring it back, guys. Like, not a reboot. Don't restart the show because it wouldn't work. As Jenna Fisher pointed out in an interview, it wouldn't make sense. A lot of them have moved on from The Office by the end of the series. So having a reason that they all come back would to The Office for a prolonged reboot of the series wouldn't make sense. However, having a reunion special, feature-length special, where they're all in their own places now, maybe you can still have them visit the office and everything, and Dwight's still running it. But that makes more sense, and I really, really think that should happen, because, say, they're characters you get attached to. It's, it's a show that, since watching it, I've realised how ingrained in popular culture it is, and how ingrained in meme culture the thing is. So many memes originate from, from the office, and the office is just part of pop culture so much, and... I didn't realise until I watched it how much it really was. Like, certain phrases that you say, you're like, oh, that's that's from The Office. Like, one of my favourite gifts to send people is the, no, God, no, please, God, no, God, no, 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 no. <coughs> Jesus Christ, I don't know how Steve Carell did that. But that bit where Steve Carell's just screaming at Toby. Sorry, like, Michael screaming at Toby. Steve Carell, he plays Michael. It's so, so brilliant. The show is so brilliantly written. And it's weird because the first season is a blatant ripoff of, of the British one. Like the first episode, almost word for word, scene for scene with a few adaptations, is the first episode of the UK office. And you can see that originally, is it NBC, I think, were going for a blatant, oh, let's just do what the English one did, change it up, adapt it a bit for US audiences, and that'll be that. And it was clear it wasn't working because the first season wasn't too well received. In fact, it was originally going to be taken off air after the first season. What saved it was Steve Carell having massive success in The 40-Year-Old Virgin, which is another brilliant film. So his stardom sort of kept the show alive. And from season two onward, the writers sort of broke away from the UK office and did it their own way, where it was more eccentric in a US sort of way and this is something where it worked where the UK one was funny because it seemed more down-to-earth realistic and the whole documentary thing was really taken seriously like it could be an actual documentary the US office takes it to the fact that yeah they're still doing the documentary but the stuff happening is not the kind of thing that would be happening happening in a regular workplace you watch the UK office and you don't want to then go and work in an office because you see that it's a bit of a boring dreary job most of the time However, you watched the US office and not going to lie, I watched it and it made me want to work in an office. I don't. It's not a job I want. But watching the US office makes it seem so much better, so much more fun to the point where you're like, oh, maybe, maybe working in an office isn't that bad, which I imagine it really is in real life. One of the biggest changes was to Steve Carell's Michael Scott. In season one, he was uh, very much a David Brent, sort of Ricky Gervais' character's ripoff. So he didn't he wasn't too likable because David Brent was never meant to be likable. But after season two, where they really took that character into his own, he still kept a few of the traits like where he's blatantly a, a sexist and a racist and misogynist. Like, and, but the thing is they give him a sort of charm where it's not, he's doing it to be horrible. He's got sort of a childlike ignorance. He, he, and they point out that he suffered a sort of trauma through a divorce with his, his mum divorcing him when he divorcing sorry his dad when he was younger, and then getting with a new guy and that didn't sit well with him. And 
he was always lonely at school. So he tries to be funny to make friends and the way he treats his workers like a family because of the dysfunctional family he had growing up and the fact that he feels he will never get a real family. So he, he, everyone around him has to like him because of that. So you feel bad for him. Yes. Some of the stuff he says is outrageous, but you feel bad for him because he is sort of this socially awkward, damaged person who's just got a childlike charm and innocence to the point where you see the characters around him do, especially the likes of Pam and Jim and, and uh, Dwight, uh, mainly Pam and Jim, and I say especially Pam, they really care for him. Like, yes, he can be a nuisance at times. Yes, he annoys them a lot of times. But at the same time, they do deeply care for him to the point where when when Michael's leaving and Jim catches on to the fact that Michael's actually leaving today and not tomorrow, like he told everyone else, and he has his sad little moment with him where he's like, oh, why don't we just have lunch tomorrow and... I can tell you tomorrow what a great boss you've been, the best boss I've ever had. And the two characters start crying, realising that they're not having this lunch because Michael's leaving tonight. But Pam's not at the office. She hasn't been all day and Michael hasn't had his chance to say goodbye. And you can see he's upset about it. And Jim's like, oh, look, I've tried to call her and get her here. I, I couldn't, I couldn't get through to her. And and then as he goes to the airport and he's taken off all the mic and stuff from the documentary, like, well, let me know when it airs. And you can't hear him anymore because he's not all mic'd up. And then you just see Pam come running through the airport to hug him and she has to say his last goodbye. And she's like, no, he wasn't sad. He, he was happy to see Holly and start a new life and new adventure. And, and it's clear that these people, they had a real bond. And, and that is very evident. And I like that about it. The fact that they build it up from what is essentially just a boring documentary to a proper sitcom where you care about the characters. Pam and Jim, Jim and Pam. I fell in love with them, honestly. Like, this is going to be very controversial now, and I'm a massive Friends fan myself, but I like the Jim and Pam relationship far more than Ross and Rachel. Because the more you look at it, Ross and Rachel, they didn't they didn't really belong together. They were too different. Whereas Jim and Pam were a sort of... They should have been together from the start. He obviously loved her. She obviously had feelings for him, but was engaged to Roy if it had been for three years at this point. And... They were two people that evidently belonged together. Their personalities, they always had the most fun when they were with each other. And watching their relationship develop was so beautiful in a way because it felt so natural, it felt so right. And then what I do like about it as well, and this is another thing I think I've sort of got against the Ross and Rachel thing. The Ross and Rachel relationship was dragged out until right at the end. It was all 10 seasons was will they, won't they. But The Office knew to... And I'm not saying I dislike the Russ and Rachel thing. I thought it was brilliant. We were on a break. Classic, hilarious. The final episode, I got off the plane. Honestly, brings me to tears. But the Jim and Pam, it only lasted up until what? Season three, season four, off the top of my head. It was only the first couple of seasons. And after that, it's them blossoming as a married couple having kids. And then the relationship drama shifts to between Dwight and Angela. And they become the will they, won't they... But it's never dragged out for too long, the relationship melodrama. In fact, one of the only complaints I have for the season is when they force in a bit of melodrama at the end with Pam and Jim, where Pam, Jim's trying to do this new job and he's not home very often because he's got to work all the way in another state, I think, or another city. I don't really know where Philly is in relation to Scranton, if I'm completely honest. So, yeah, and I didn't really like that. Like, Jim and Pam had been the perfect couple the whole way through. Why are we now forcing... Why are you trying to make us believe that they're going to somehow break up or that they might break up? 
there is no way on earth that Jim and Pam were ever going to break up. They were they were meant to be together. So the fact that they sort of tried to force onto us this idea that, oh, Jim and Pam might be having it here. Like, no, that's not. There's no way in hell that Jim and Pam are breaking up. There's there's not. They've got the kids, Cece and shit. Philip, Philip, Philip is the young one. Is the boy, Philip, I remember. So that was sort of one of our biggest complaints with the season, with season nine, was that, really, that's never going to happen. It's ridiculous. But other than that, most of the arcs are brilliant. Pam has one of the best character arcs from what is essentially a really submissive woman, sort of, you know, the... And it's played up by all that, the, the jocks and guys in the show, the ideal woman. She doesn't really speak up for herself she just sort of goes along with it to buy season three sort of demanding that no I, I want respect I need respect you know like don't treat me like this and that's part of the reason she ends up I suppose breaking up with Roy because he doesn't give her the respect she needs whereas Jim she realizes by that point that he loves her and she wants that from him and she becomes more assertive she she walks across the hot coals and stuff like that and it's very sort of yeah, she has a great arc. And even one episode that always stands out for me with Pam, and I don't know if it's just because it relates to the last episode, was where she had her art gallery. And no one from the office came. Roy came with his brother just to try and impress her, which she sort of saw straight through. The only person who showed up was Michael. He'd, he'd literally raced all the way across the city from somewhere else just to come and see her art show. And in the end, like, she's been really disheartened by this point because, I don't know, Oscar did show up with his then-boyfriend and they sort of said how they thought the art was bad and she overheard and felt guilty. Michael comes over and all he's doing is praising her and saying how good it is. And then have a hug because he's just being so nice. And he actually ends up buying the drawing painting she's done of the office, which then ends up getting framed in the office because Michael bought it off her and it's moments like that where you see Pam and Michael they do care for each other an awful lot and and this is even paid off in the end when when the cast are in the office for the final time before the final scene um Pam take Michael's not there he's gone by this point Pam takes the painting down and from the office and she takes that with her because that was a symbol of so she and Jim can remember the office and remember everything that it meant to them and a secret behind the scenes fact that I learned from Jenna Fisher she has the original the original painting because she uh Jenna Fisher obviously played Pam she uh yeah so when production was over that's the one thing she wanted was was the painting and the production office said no we're going to put it in the archives and probably you know keep it it's a part of the set and everything and she was really disheartened and uh but on i think like the last day one of the production people came over and said look take take this and it was the painting she went well what is that he went well i made a copy and she thought that he meant she had the copy he went so i put the copy in the archive that's the original take it so jenna fisher does have in her house the original oil painting of, of the office which is quite cool she's also got the engagement ring that was given to Pam by Jim that I think apparently cost like £5,000 and she still has that and wears it apparently not as an engagement ring obviously she's she's married but she still owns and wears the ring that was given to her by Jim from time to time she's really cool as well I think they all took a little something like I read John Krasinski who plays Jim of course that was his big break and now he's a Hollywood 
superstar with things like a quiet place and jack ryan which i've been really enjoying recently um he took the dunder mifflin sign the sign that was outside their part of the office their office block he, he took the whole thing which is really cool um but how can we talk about the office without mentioning the office's dark horse the madman himself dwight Schrute? rome wilson just plays the brilliant mad but sort of well-intentioned man like yes he he doesn't like jim through the whole thing him and jim's relationship is very funny because they start out as bitter enemies but by the end you can tell they're friends to the point where dwight even asked jim to be the best man at his wedding it, it's very clear that they grow to like each other and he has a huge respect for michael and obviously angela he, he falls in love with angela madly and his love for that and pursuing her i was so glad when they finally got together you don't even understand by the way, they finally properly get together in the finale. Like, wait to stress me out there, right? But they do it. It's good. And spoilers, by the way. This episode... Spo sorry. Spo spoilers. Whoops. But, yeah, his relationship... Weird enough with Pam. Is Pam actually the centre of the office? I'm going to say it. Jenna Fish's Pam is the centre of the office. Because his relationship with her is so special. Because where he treats sort of everyone else with contempt in his weird sort of ways thinking he's some sort of ninja Battlestar Galactica person. He's sort of like me on steroids with some acid, I think, like nerdy, but to the nth degree. And yeah, yeah but his relationship with Pam is so special because he's shown on multiple occasions that he cares an awful lot from her. Like he'll give her a, an awkward, but a hug if she's down and he'll always look out for her. And he's he makes it very clear that Pam is... His best friend. I think he even says at some point that she is his best friend. I, I might have been in the finale. He definitely says at some point that Pam is, in fact, his best friend in the office. He's like, you know, Angela's great. Jim's great. Michael. But Pam is my best friend. And that, that to me, is like, that's character development. From, from the weird office guy to showing that he truly cares. And actually, one of his best character moments was genuinely when, in the finale for his wedding... Jim's talking to him. No, no, not this wedding. I'm talking about the wrong bit. I was going to talk about Michael Scott there. Completely sidetracked. No. So right at the end, so as Jim and Pam sort of talk to Dwight saying they need to quit because they, they're going to move to Philly with Jim and his new business that he started. And Dwight goes, starts yelling at them like, no, you're, get out, you're, fi you're fired. And they're like, no, no, Dwight, please don't take this the wrong way. And Dwight's like, no, just play along. They're like, what do you mean? He went, well, if I fire you, I can give you the hefty severance pay packages that you've earned after over 10 years of being here. And the look on Jim and Pam's face, like, what? wow, like, you know, like, he's just, rather, they were willing to quit, but he wouldn't let them quit. He had to fire them so he could give them these hefty severance pay packages. And he sort of goes along the lines of, you know, it's the least I could do. And that's character development from, as I say, the guy who was just the weird psychopath of the office to admitting that he does love, uh, and he said Pim and Jam, Jim and Pam, Jesus Christ, that was really hard for me to say, and is willing to, to set them up by firing them, which sounds really stupid. But it, it was a perfect ending. And in fact, the ending scene, because the inside of my head there no so the production crew were willing to keep making the show but it was the cast who all came together and said look 
we want to end while we're still on a high note. We don't want to carry on going forever and ever and ever and it just gets sour. So the cast actually chose to make season nine the last one. And they had requests that the final scene, they all had to be in it. And that's why you get that final scene of them all in the office and then them walking out one final time. Because they personally requested that for that final scene, they would all be in it together as a family. Because that cast became a family over the course of that show. Um, to the point where actually every single week they would get together at one of their houses and watch the show together when it came out. And that's the kind of family that was formed there and what made that finale so gut-wrenching because you could feel feel their emotion as well. But I would like to take a short break to mention our sponsor uh, for this episode, which is King's Eyes Life website. Good at something, best at anything. Uh, do check out the website. It's great. So they're sort of helping with sponsoring for this episode. Got loads of great stuff, blog posts, uh, everything. There's a shop on the way as well. So make sure to check that out, guys, and we will get straight back to talking about The Office after that minor little advertisement. So, Dunder Mifflin, I want to work at a paper company. This is how much this show was, was good. I can't stress enough that I want to work at a paper company, but you'd want Michael Scott as your boss. You'd want Jim and you'd want Pam and you'd want, you'd want the whole cast, Kevin, Oscar, Creed. My God, Creed is the, the dark horse of the show where you don't really know what he's on about, but he's definitely murdered someone in the past and, you know, done some really dodgy things. Creed Bratton was meant to be a side character, was given the name Creed Bratton because that was the name of the actor and become sort of a fan favorite because he's just insane. Like, he gets arrested in the last episode. We're not quite sure for what, but that's Creed Bratton for you. He's just insane. You've got Toby, who may or may not be the Scranton Strangler. Very likely. I've, I've seen all the theories. I'm very much on the side of believing that Toby is the older Scranton Strangler, possibly caused by, by Michael. Maybe not, because I feel like the Strangler would go after Michael if it was Toby. I don't really know, but there's a chance. Good old Andy Bernard played by the fantastic Ed Helms. Um, Andy Bernard, he genuinely has, I think, one of my favourite lines in the show. Now now I think about it. Um, it's once again in the finale. The finale is fantastic, by the way. Um, it's something along the lines of, I wish someone would tell you you're in the good times before they're over or before they're gone, which is such a, you know, cause he's talking about, oh, the good old days. And like, but I wish someone would tell you you're in the good old days before they're gone and that's so profound and I can relate to that there are times when I look back and think oh I wish I knew that these were going to be some of the best days of my life before they were over because there are certain times you're going through stuff and you don't really think much about it but in reality you're having some of the best days of your life and that is such a profound thing and such a lovely line for the, for the end of for the end of the show I think Pam's last line of the series as well, which might be actually the last line of the series, along the lines of, you know, I wondered why you picked Dunder Mifflin for, for your documentary as we were just a normal paper company. But I guess that's what everyone really wants, just a bit of normal. And that line, it's sort of, it's so sweet and nice, but then you also realise that this show has been anything, anything but normal for the most part. And that's what I like about it because, yes, they still treat it like this is a normal working day, but... You've got, I don't know, Dwight chasing a bat around the office in paintball gear. 
you've got Michael doing goddamn impressions that shouldn't be allowed. The oh, the one where he's he's trying to prove that he's a being a prisoner's bad. It's not cool to go to prison. I can't remember the name the character he puts on. And he's like, do you know what's the worst part about being in prison? Do you know what's the worst part about being in prison? The Dementors that come along and like suck your soul and stuff. And it's like, what do you mean the Dementor? <laughs> he's just insane. And I think for those who say it wasn't the same after Michael Scott left. Yes, you are correct. It wasn't the same. It never was. After Steve Carell left, the show is never going to be the same. But it doesn't mean it's bad. The show is still fantastic after Michael Scott leaves. It's just different because you're bringing in Ed Helms and Rain Wilson and John Krasinski and they're all sort of taking over. Um, oh, Jenna Fisher and Angela, obviously, as well. It sort of becomes less, more about them as an ensemble rather than focusing mainly on Michael. And that's not a bad thing. I love Michael Scott. I think he's fantastic. I could watch him talk for days and watching Threat Level Midnight, the film he made, is fantastic. Michael Scott is one of the most quotable characters ever. But seeing the others come into their own without him there was, was kind of nice as well. And bringing in other characters, like you got Joe and, and Robert, played by James Spader. And I will admit, the problem I had with, with watching Robert on the show was that every time I watched him, I just heard Ultron. Right, as a big Marvel fan, <laughs> I couldn't look at him and not, hear Ultron because obviously that's who he, he played him in Age of Ultron and it was really hard for me when he was talking about things not to picture a psychopathic robot from Avengers but he was still brilliant in it they got Idris Elba was fantastic Will Ferrell was Will Ferrell was funny but I thought like they didn't know what to do with him they sort of changed his personality every episode but you know it's it's Will Ferrell you can't can't complain really but yeah for those who say it got bad after Steve Carell, Michael Scott left. That That's not true. It didn't get bad. It was just different. And if you don't like different, that's fine. But I do think it's still worth watching after Michael Scott's departure, especially for when he returns for the finale. Once again, spoilers, but the show's been out for years, guys. Um, So there's the bit where, yeah, so there's Dwight and he's got uh, Jim as his Bestishmanshk, which is the best man in, in Dwight tradition. And the whole time, Jim, who's obviously pranked Dwight through the series, has been putting up, pulling off a uh, spree of quotation marks pranks, which are really just nice gestures towards Dwight. Like, you know, they're not really pranks, but he's calling them pranks. And, and the, when you get to just before the wedding, Jim's talking to him and he's like, look, I just found out from by Droot, Droot, Shroot tradition I can't be your best man. And Dwight's like, why? What's going on? And he went, well, according to your family's tradition, the best man has to be older than the groom. And considering you're so much older than me, and Dwight's like, well, not not so much. He's like, Look, sorry, man, I can't be your best man. And Dwight's like, well, what are we going to do? He's like, oh, I guess I can sort something out. He sort of looks and nods to the corner. Dwight turns around and it's Michael Scott standing there. And I remember I, I didn't, I sort of knew this was coming, but I didn't in a weird way. I, I think I'd seen the scene before, but I still didn't see it coming where Dwight just turns around. He's like, Michael, you came. And then Michael in, gets the best line off he had in that entire series with, that's what she said. 
which was obviously his catchphrase throughout the whole show was that's what she said and frankly that was the best you that's what she said of the whole series where it's such an emotional thing between Dwight and Michael's back who best friend and seeing him Dwight's so happy like Michael you came and all Michael can respond with is (laughs) that's what she said because it's a compulsion in his head he has to say it and it's my God, the best and most rewarding one of the series is hearing Michael give off that's what she said in that moment. It was it was fantastic to to watch and, and see and it got me all teary eyed and then the wedding itself, having Michael there, he and you see him going through his phone with with a uh, Pam and showing him pictures of the kids he now has. And and then he gets another of the best line of the series. I think the only other line he has in the episode, he does other acting, of course. He like hugs Angela, the bride, and he does some dancing with Dwight for like the final scene, which is like the opposite to a cold open, a cold close. I don't know what they call it, where it's not really the ending of the show. It's just another scene at the end. But where he looks over and he sees Pam and Jim and Dwight and Angela sitting there as the two married couples. And he's like, I'm so happy. It's it's like all of your kids have grown up and they married each other. I couldn't be happier. And it's just so... Because <laughs> how stupid is that? Your kids growing up and marrying each other. That's weird. But the way Michael saw it was they were always his kids. They were his family and they are all now grown up and they're married and to each other, which in his head isn't a bad thing because they're not actually siblings, obviously. And it's just showing once again that he means well. And these people, even after all these years of being away, are still his family and he's so happy for them and... And he loves them dearly and seeing them all grown up, quote unquote, and, and happy and married just just makes him over the moon. And it's the character work. I can't stress enough how much the character work in this show makes it work. I say it was a show that I went into thinking I'd enjoy it, but it's not a show where you get attached to the characters. That was my thought. I thought a bit like the English one, any character I, you really care about by the end is David Brent. But even then, not really. I don't think you ever really get attached to the English ones. And I thought this was going to be something similar. Like, you know, I'd enjoy it. You'd like the characters. You'd laugh. I thought it'd be funny. But I never thought I'd, I'd care about the characters. But by the end, as I was crying by the final episode, watching them all leave and knowing I wouldn't get to see Stanley do a crossword again. I wouldn't get to see Ryan pull off whatever it is Ryan do. I wouldn't see Kelly Kapoor complain about something. I wouldn't see Phyllis mention Bob Vance, Vance Refrigeration, or, you know, Oscar just be a pedantic bitch and Kevin be all stupid and Angela be uptight. I miss the office. I want Jim and Pam and back and Michael and Dwight and Angela. I care so much now about these characters that I didn't, I didn't know really about go back a week or so. And now I want this reunion and I care about them so much. And I even, you know, watch all interview, old interviews. Sorry, I'm just getting a tissue. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Um, watch all old, old interviews. And I believe actually, I'm sure I can say this. Um, Angela and Jenna, they actually do their own podcast. This isn't promotion, I suppose. Um, and yeah, that's fantastic as well because they're doing it where they actually they're going through every episode of The Office, watching it and talking about behind the scenes stuff. And I've been listening to that because that's it, it's fantastic to listen to because you're hearing it from them. And say I'm not even a long time fan, but I'm that invested in it now that I care about the behind the scenes stuff. I care about their opinions on these episodes all these years later. The show's 15 years old this year. 
even John Krasinski on his YouTube thing, uh, Some Good News, he got Steve Carell on to talk about how it's been 15 years and, you know, they all still miss it. They love the show. They they might not watch it regularly anymore or at all, but they have such fond memories. I remember hearing John Krasinski, and this is a true story about him getting it. So he, he'd left to go and be an actor. His mum was fully supportive, but nothing had really worked out for him. And so he called his mum saying, look, mum, I'm going to give it all up. I'm, I'm going to come home. I'm going to get a normal job and, you know, whatever. I think he studied English literature. So I think he was going to be a teacher or something. So he said, I'll just come back. I'll, I'll get a regular job. Then that'll be that. And his mum said, look, this, this is your dream. This is what you want to do. Just, you know, just, just wait till the end of the year. I think this was in the October. Just wait till the end of the year. If nothing happens, then you can come home. And she sort of talked him into just waiting till the end of the year. And, uh, Three weeks later, he gets a call and he's going to be on The Office. And that role, let's be honest, changed his life. I mean, the man's now married to Emily Blunt, meaning he's, he's one of the luckiest man's alive, right? So, <laughs> and he's a fantastic actor, as I say. A, a Quiet Place, I haven't seen it because I don't like horrors. I'll put that out there. Boo me if you want. I've heard so so many great things that I really want to watch Quiet Place, but I can't do horrors. They scare the shit out of me. So, uh, yeah, I haven't seen that. But Jack Ryan, that was I've been watching that recently, the Amazon series. He's fantastic. John Krasinski is a fantastic actor, and honestly, I just think that if he did, if he quit acting there and then, and didn't get that role in The Office, we wouldn't have that. Like that, that was destiny leading his hand. I think in a weird way that he then got on the office and his career was made. He's got friends for life from the cast. Like, you know, you see them, they chat regularly, text regularly. Like, and that's what makes a show. I think this is becoming a different kind of analysis now where I'm realizing that what made that show was the fact that the cast were a family. They cared for each other. They, they had so much fun for each other. As I say, Angela and Jenna are real life best friends. Like I remember a sort of thing with Angela saying that, if something happens in her life, she has to run it by Jenna first before she can process it herself. Like they are literally thick as thieves, best friends and they all keep in touch. I saw a thing where rain, the video called John on a, or it was an Instagram live, but you know, they, they still talk a lot and stuff like that. That's what makes this show. And I think that's why I, I fell in love with it. And I fell in love with the characters because it was about the relationships. It stopped being just a real life, realistic documentary and started to be something more than that. It was about the characters, their relationships, their lives, the silly antics that they get up to. And in that way, you get emotionally invested into these characters in a way that I didn't expect that I would. There are a lot of things where, yeah, I, I tend to get invested in shows I watch. I'm not going to deny that. I don't always necessarily become part of the fandom afterwards, but I'll get invested while I'm watching it and, and I'll like like those characters. But I never thought it'd be like that. Because I thought this would be, you know, like a, a comedy show where you just laugh along, but you don't really you don't really care where it goes or what happens to them. Like, you know, it's just a show that you're enjoying. But it wasn't. It became one of these shows where I'm now definitely part of the fandom. And, you know, I, I care and I got so invested in their lives. Like, I got to the point where I'd be on edge. Like, oh, Jim and Pam going to get together? Because, once again, there were a couple that were so right for each other. I just kept watching it like, come on, come on, come on. Now, now, now. And, oh, no, they're not. The moment they found out they are going to have a baby, it's uh, going to stay. Sorry. <coughs> <coughs> 
I'll keep that in to prove that I do have hay fever. I'm not just making it up and using tissues for other nefarious things. Um, yeah, the bit where you find out they're having a baby, I'm pretty sure she's injured during a volleyball thing, and they do a scan and find out that she is, in fact, I'm going to sneeze again. <coughs> I bless me, I bless me. You do find out that she's pregnant. I remember I was like, oh my God, Jim and Pam are going to have a baby. Oh my God. And I was like, what? Since when did I... I fall in love with these characters. And so when did I become so invested that I'm sort of on the edge of my seat? Like, oh no, don't let that happen. Don't let Michael be... Honestly, the amount of times Michael nearly got fired and I was on the edge of my seat like, no, don't do it, Michael. No, no, please, no, no, no. It's not even a thriller. It's a fucking comedy. But I cared so much. When he started the Michael Scott paper company, I was like, oh, this isn't going to go well. Come on, don't don't lose out, Michael. Come on, don't be stupid. Don't be stupid now, Michael. Please come back to Dunder Mifflin. And I, I cared. Whenever Angela broke poor uh, Dwight's heart over, like, oh, I can't be with you now. Like, I was like, no, not Dwight. You two belong together. It doesn't matter that he mercy killed one of your cats that was going to die anyway and left it in a freezer. That doesn't matter. You two belong together. It's not right. And Andy and Erin, they, sorry, they should have ended up together. Andy Bernard and Erin Hannigan should have ended up together. Why did they bring in new Dwight and new Pete? Not, Not new Pete. His name is Pete. New Jim. They refer to them as new Dwight and new Jim. And why did... I, I sort of get why. I think, in a way, Pete was meant to be, as I say, a new Jim. So he comes in and he flirts with the... Because Je- uh, Jenna? Pam is no longer the receptionist. She's now... Uh, I don't really know. She became a saleswoman. And then she sort of swindled her way into a job that didn't really exist. But it's sort of like an office supplier thing. And I can't think of the actual job title. So Erin becomes the, the receptionist. And, yeah, so Pete comes in and he falls in love with the receptionist who's actually dating someone else. Like, yeah, it's very much meant to represent, recreate Jim and Pam. I just thought it was a bit unnecessary because I think Erin and Andy should have ended up together. And the whole subplot with, like, oh, look, Pete's now with her. Like, that didn't go anywhere by the end. I did like the fact that in the final episode, Erin finally meets her birth parents. That was a nice touch. And another sad scene where I started welling up. Like, I was watching it like... No, that isn't. Oh my God, that's her actual mum. And then you find out the dad's there as well. And you're like, oh my God, she's finally met her birth parents. And and yeah, I just feel like that that could have been better. Because then Andy then going AWOL and sort of... I get they needed a way to finish the series by having Dwight be the office manager. Because that was sort of... That was the best way to end it, I think. Especially with Michael gone, was that Dwight finally becomes the manager of Dunder Mifflin. Which obviously Jim recommended him for, of all people, which says how their relationship really did grow. But I think the way they made Andy go AWOL with Erin leaving him and going off to be an actor and everything, I just thought it was a bit, maybe a bit silly and rushed and didn't make too much sense. But you can't blame them. They had to find a way to get Dwight and manager and Andy had always wanted to be in the arts. I just don't think that him and Erin breaking up was the best idea for the show, if I'm being completely honest. But... That's a nitpick on my end because, for the most part, it's a show well worth watching. Nine seasons of television that I did not regret binging during this quarantine. And yes, season one's rough. I'm not going to deny it. And there are some other rough patches. As I say, the whole subplot in season nine between Jim and Pam where it's like, oh, will they, won't they? As if as if they're going to break. Please, it's Jim and Pam. It's not Ross and Rachel. It's Jim and Pam. They're, they're not breaking up. But other than those sort of weird off bits... 
it, it's nine seasons of television you can't afford to miss. And even in the bad episodes, there are fantastic quotes and moments where you're wetting yourself laughing. I can't recommend this show enough, and it's weird, because most of the things I've been talking about in, in this series so far are things that I've loved or for a very long time. Um, whereas this is something that I've only really come to love in the last couple of weeks through binging it in quarantine. Yet that being said... I have genuinely come to love The Office and can't really express enough how much I have and how it's probably one of my, if not my favourite sitcom of all time at the moment. I have to sit down and reevaluate my sitcoms and what order they're going at the moment. But The Office is definitely near the top at the moment. And if you haven't watched it and you've got time in quarantine, it's on Amazon Prime. If not, I'm sure you can find it on the internet somewhere. Um, yeah, watch watch The Office, the US Office. It's fantastic. I love it, and and for that reason, you, the office, you, you haven't failed. I can't, <laughs> you you haven't. I love it. You you haven't failed. I love you. No God, please no. Don't take it away from me. Bring it back. I need it. I need it. Literally, Andy Bernard's quote of like, you don't know. Like, I wish someone told you you're in the good times before they were gone. I wish someone told me I was in the good times and I was watching The Office before it ended and I'm sad knowing that it ended. But saying that, it hasn't completely ended because I can just go back and binge watch it again. I'm going to sign off now, guys. I'm about to go and binge watch nine seasons of The Office and I hope you end up binge watching it with me. I'll speak to you next week, guys. Thank you so much for listening. See you around. <laughs>